Welcome to Everyday Entrepreneurs Everywhere with your host, Chris Parker. Hello, this is Everyday Entrepreneurs Everywhere, and I am Chris Parker. The following is a conversation I had with Hannah Duxbury and Josh Meltz from Granadilla Swimwear and Granadilla Eats. Just before the crisis, or just really when the crisis was starting, they had the foresight to start a completely new type of business, delivering fresh produce. Three months on, this is their story, and it is incredible. So we started the business five years ago. It was, the concept was to create a product that was relatively easy to sell online without too much returns and without needing to be tried on in, in the physical world. Um, so it was, it was, the intention was a tech play, but the way it played out wasn't, it didn't turn out to be an online business at all. We opened stores and pop-ups and in South Africa, I guess we were a little bit behind the eight ball when it came to online shopping. And, and mm-hmm. the only way we could manifest and scale the business up was actually in brick and mortar in South Africa. Wow. So we always had an online store, yeah. but it, it, was, it, it was doing less than 15% of our revenues for the first few years. And only really in the last year or so has the online store really gained traction and started uh, becoming a significant contributor. So that was started by Adam and myself and Adam is Hannah's older brother and, and my best buddy. And when the lockdown was imminent, kind of like a week before the lockdown started, it was really Adam who, who came to our team and said, guys, we're in this position where all of our physical retail is going to close. Um, we don't know for how long and yeah. we need to make a little play here. We need to, you know, do something, right? Well, I, I think um, it's already amazing that you guys had the foresight, you know, before things went nuts to, to have that conversation. So, yeah, great. Sorry. So, so we had it. And, and um, so enter kind of Hannah. Hannah's been involved with Granadilla Swim on and off for a number of years. Um, her, her background is, is um, she has a passion for food that is also a very capable um, business person and was accepted for a job at Bain Consulting. So really has like a great analytical mind, but has also done a lot of food work and has studied in, in Ireland um, at a chef school called Ballymaloo. And so kind of enter Hannah at this stage and, and enter another business that Adam and I had invested in, which was a kombucha factory. So all of these like little... Which, which was yeah. a, a what? A, what kind of factory? A kombucha factory, kombucha, which is a fermented tea. It's okay. a, a product that in the U.S. Has, has really blown up in the last two or three years. Yeah. And so we'd invest in this factory. We had this online store and we had a customer base that was very Cape Town oriented. Um, Hannah has this very specific skill set of, of understanding food and, and the food industry. And we kind of like in this team, like kind of brainstorming session, patched together this concept for fresh fruit and veg box deliveries. We would use our kombucha factory, which was already a food processing plant. Mm-hmm. We would use Hannah's understanding of food and sourcing and s- seasonality and sustainability to find the produce and to kind of create and, and coordinate these boxes. And we'd leverage the rest of our team's skill set. right? We had a customer service team. We had a digital team. We had a growth team. We had brand marketing. And we'd kind of create this like, side brand or sister brand or whatever it was, maybe just a pop-up brand 
we, we didn't really have a, like a big intention for it, but we just knew that we needed to kind of do something. And so in that first week, we turned around our first box really quickly. I think it was maybe in the two days or three days, we got our first boxes online. We partnered with the local farmer's market and the demand was just insane. Yeah. It, was, it, was, so, it was panic buying actually. I'm, People I'm, weren't I'm, sure where they were going to get food from. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious, Josh, did, did, did you, because in lean startup land and all these you know, techniques and formulas that we've learned, they say to, to check with the customer before you build stuff, but it sounds like you just had belief and faith and knowledge and built it and then it yeah. was a hit. Um, totally. There, there was no time for like doing an MVP or, or yeah. actually formulating like what the best product market fit was. We just knew that we, people weren't sure where they were going to get fresh produce from. They weren't sure whether they could actually go to the supermarket. They didn't want to go to the supermarket. And there wasn't an abundance of online yeah. food delivery businesses out there. There were literally Incredible. a handful, yeah. some of which were in like quite a specific space. There was like meal kit boxes mm -hmm. and there was one or two online grocery stores and the actual, the major grocery stores had two or three week waiting times. So there was an obvious like opportunity. That's, that's the same we saw in here in the Netherlands is the, is the um, established existing, you know, grocery delivery type things, you couldn't even place an order. They just, they just yeah. they shut it down. So, so if you weren't an already a customer, forget about it. So. Yeah, everything went, went crazy here. Everything got shut down. And so the partnership was a, was a key one with the local farmer's market. It's actually where we used to sell some of our kombucha before. Yeah. So we had a relationship. We knew some of the vendors. They gave us their vendor list and kind of enter Hannah. And Hannah now coordinated the delivery of all of these um, suppliers, right? And kind of coordinated the best way that we could bring them into our factory. Initially, we took a lot of stock on consignment, not the fresh stuff, but the like more pantry items, the things that were long lasting, we took them on consignment. Um, we crafted and created a bunch of different boxes. And for the first two weeks, it was just pandemonium. It was just growth, growth, growth. We turned off all Facebook ads. We stopped the growth marketing. We stopped the emails going out. Yeah. We literally had to limit orders, increase capacity. You know, like the engine broke just from, yeah. from natural product market fit, right? Um, three weeks after lockdown started, we kind of hit this pinnacle and things started to slow down because people started going to shops and were less afraid of visiting shops. Mm -hmm. um, all the other players that, that could potentially enter the game um, for next day or two day or at least three day delivery of food business kind of caught up, got their ducks in a row and, and entered the, the kind of game. And actually what we saw was there was this crazy influx of digital marketing. You'd go on Instagram or Facebook or land in your email inbox and there would just be this like huge mass of advertising you'd see 25 adverts for fresh fruit and veg delivery before you had seen a picture of whatever your best friend on, on Instagram. Mm. It was just this like crazy influx of, of advertising. Do you, do you think that was a response to what you were doing? Meaning you caught the, the sort I, of I establishment I, with their pants down and then, then they're like, Oh no, these guys are killing it. It wasn't a response to us. It was just a response to the, the environment really. Yeah. Okay. I'm sure some people saw us and were like, cool. Well, we actually already have some of this stuff set up. 
let's just do what we need, like the last mile delivery or it was the e-commerce store or whatever it was. But there was this crazy influx and we saw a big drop off in sales. And for the next two weeks, we, we declined and declined and, and sales dropped off, dropped off, dropped off. And our cost per acquisition went up and up and up and up. Mm-hmm. And long, you know, kind of like in, in five weeks, it had gone from here to like here. And the dynamics had just changed so dramatically. So we're now like 12, 14 weeks into lockdown, I guess. Yeah. Or maybe even a bit longer, like three months into lockdown. Yeah, I, I have a bit finally this it feels like yeah. It feels like the ocean is like just starting to like flatten out a little bit. It feels like there isn't so much turbulence. It feels like... Mm. The players that entered the market in the hope of earning a quick buck have now entered and left. The, the like more significant players have kind of like established what their value propositions are. Yeah. So this question I have for you is, is do you intend this yeah. to be a, a permanent thing or, or, or was it intended to be permanent or, or is it just happily permanent? <laughs> yeah, I think when we started it, we definitely didn't intend to create like our next big thing. That wasn't the concept. The concept was like, there's an opportunity. Let's go after it. We're not going to be doing anything else during lockdown. The stores are all closed. We're not going to be like reviewing sample shorts or anything. Factories are closed. So let's do something else with our time. It was, it was more like, let's just go for this. Yeah. Um, Three months later, we have a a lot more of a committed attitude towards it. It's no longer Mm -hmm. just a fun project. It's something that we, we, believe in i think we've established our a very solid brand positioning we know what we are we know where we fit we are in our minds very differentiated from the rest of the market our your your brand is sorry the brand is the same as the swimwear is there confusion there you know as far as a brand proposition or is that is that it's a good question it's a good question we we've internalized whether a rebrand would make sense or not our, our intentions were to rebrand and to totally change the name and to give it its own identity. But the fear is that because there is still so much competition out there, it's almost like starting from scratch. Mm-hmm. We've, we've got a customer base that know who we are. To rebrand at this stage would almost be like adding complexity to the whole yeah. model, having to well, like retrain people to, to know what we are. And there's a, there's a big benefit in, in the recognizability of that, that brand, Granadilla, that's been around in Cape Town for five years. Yeah. People know us. It's a very well-established fashion brand. And so that like recognizability when you're sifting through those, you know, I'm sorry to always bring it back to what an Instagram feed looks like, but it's kind of relevant. Yeah. When, you, when you're getting fed all this content and when you stop and, and like kind of see that logo, it's a recognizable logo already as opposed to all of the plethora of new logos that are just kind of out there. Well, when I, again, you know, sadly not in, in Cape Town to be a customer, um, but I, I hope to, you know, one day soon, um, when I was popping back and forth between the, the, the websites, it didn't feel odd. You know, it, I mean, it, it, it seemed coming from the same source or DNA, um, which felt actually quite nice. So, but I was also curious about what the strategy was there with whether that was, you know, intentional or, or not, but, um, Okay. Um, yeah, it, it's totally intentional. Yeah. And, and at this stage, our, our, our intentions are probably to actually keep our name, to establish a side brand, and maybe a brand that will actually overtake the swimwear brand and, and will actually have mm-hmm. a lot more scalable potential. 
Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're literally considering whether some of our brand icons and iconography that we used in our fashion business can translate in this new brand. Like we have this iconic um, popsicle, which is what the, the original business was named after. The Granadilla Lolly is what is the icon, the like popsicle that's sold on Clifton and Camps Bay Beach. It's where the name comes from. And we're busy discussing how we incorporate that iconic thing that we've become synonymous with for our fashion brand. How does that work on our box? How does that work in our mm-hmm. branding? Does it translate? Will people kind of um, have that same emotional connection to it like they did with the fashion brand? And how do we make that merger happen? Yeah, cool. Well, I can imagine there's, there's all sorts of ways of having some crossover there and with such yeah. a, an iconic logo there. Um, so, and one thing that I also thought about was you did this so fast. Um, food safety? Did you have to get certified or, or anything? Was there any? Again, it was just, it was pure coincidence and, and like call it the stars aligning that we had this, this um, kombucha manufacturing factory that was already accredited. It already had a certificate oh, yeah. of, of acceptability. It was already a food safe space. We, we had a brewer who was, um, you know, a partner in this kombucha business who's, who's now a partner in the food business. And his, his expertise and his day is now spent rather than brewing kombucha. He's still doing yeah. that on the side. But, mm-hmm. but predominantly, he's, he's, you know, making sure that these food safe parcels go out. And that's been his number one priority since the beginning. We had yeah. all of these kind of players just available to us. So it really was, it really was ours to mess up, right? Yeah. We had all the toolkits available. Um, and, and just, yeah. We just couldn't mess it up, but luckily we haven't. And um, Hannah, yeah. Um, so you are sort of the the resident expert, and then this thing sort of exploded into your lap. So, so what was your role in it, and, and, and how did you experience it? Yeah, so I'd been um, obviously, as Josh said, I've been working with Grandilla Sum for quite a while, and so I and obviously being related to them and kind of having a regular relationship with the team, it was really easy to kind of move into this Granadilla Eats realm. Mm. Um, and for me, I mean, for me personally, it felt like a perfect match between my kind of business skills, which I enjoy and kind of, yeah, a part of what I do, but also then this whole food industry, which actually is where my real passion is. Um, mm-hmm. And I kind of every, for the last few weeks, I've been doing supply visits and I go visit the farms and go meet the people and see what the, where the produce actually comes from. And it, it's been incredible to see that um, in action and to see the rest of the team start to actually take on these the kind of like the values and stuff that we're all, we're, we're really striving to kind of put out there. Um, it's been, it's just been incredible seeing the team do it and kind of see the team build this passion for food yeah. and for celebrating seasonality and local food and kind of local farms and suppliers. Um, so for me, it's been like a really, it's been a really amazing journey and I feel um, very fortunate to kind of have found myself in this business, which for me feels like a very perfect little niche market for my, skill set mm-hmm. and passion, which I think is, yeah, I think not everyone gets to find that. And I think I've been very fortunate in finding that quite, quite easily and quite like Josh said, kind of the stars just aligned really well for us in the beginning. It was yeah, really so, together. Um, not, I'm just really interested, not everyone in a time of global pandemic and global crisis are open or aware to see the stars being aligned. Um, how, you know, 
how did you do that? I guess, you know, or, or what about your mindset or your, your, I you seem not to be, you know, like, like you could have gone into fear and uncertainty and doubt and, and yeah, but you, you, you went a different way. How did you do that? I, I think honestly, just how busy and kind of how Josh did those first three weeks were just pandemonium and absolute manic. It yeah. just really kind of focused my, atten my attention on work and kind of getting this business going. And I think it helped yeah. me realize that like, I mean, given the, given the situation and given everything else going on in the world, I've been very mm. fortunate being put in a position where I was able to work and where things were kind of going well, I mean, for the business that I was part of and stuff. And it felt, I think that kind of just helped me realize like we're making a difference here. And I think the big thing, the big thing that we started was, is we kind of said we wanted to support these small local farms. And obviously it started with fresh produce who had lost business because a lot of obviously restaurants and hotels had closed. So the crops mm -hmm. had been planted three months ago in hope of supplying the restaurant or food and hotel industry were now ready to harvest and with no one to sell it to. And it just feels like, I mean, I've, I've, I've got a very good relationship with a lot of our farms, one woman in particular in Philippi. And we can't, she constantly tells me that kind of the, the produce that we've been buying from her and the fact that at the beginning when this all started and she had 900 heads of lettuce, which were ready to harvest and no one to sell. The fact that we even, we started taking those lettuce and we started taking her other produce and stuff was a, like a, ma a massive miracle for her because otherwise it is a whole lot of, kind of money waste and a lot of income that she would have yeah. lost. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think it was, I think that helped. It felt like we were kind of, what, what we're doing is whilst, wow. whilst Josh said it was just an opportunity the business found, it also we've been, do, what we're doing is something really good and really important for the kind of greater community. And I think that that was something I think we all kind of held on to for quite a lot of the, what well, we still are, but very much in the beginning held on to that, that what we're actually doing is helping a lot of people who otherwise have put in, really kind of difficult situations. And that was really, really amazing to be a part of that. Really cool to be part of this team. This story is more delightful as I hear more because it's, it's actually, <laughs> it's not only you guys sort of, you know, found a, a, a temporary and now permanent, you know, new proposition for yourself, but actually it's that whole supply chain, that whole ecosystem that um, has benefited when from we, it. So, when we yeah. started it out, we, we used the, the farmer's market and the story that Hannah alludes to is a brilliant story it was a, this farm that literally only supplied the, the restaurant industry. And overnight that, that stopped and they had literally 900 heads of lettuce and they took this photograph, put it on social media and said, Hey guys, you kind of like, we're about to waste all this food. We're about to lose a bunch of jobs and a bunch of our customers that knew we had been doing these food box deliveries just, just tagged us into it. And it was just these perfect matches, right? Um, when we look back on it, it was like basic sums. Food is being produced. People still need to eat, but certain parts of the value chain are now cut out. Restaurants are not there. Um, Hospitality is not there. So we need to go direct and we need to just pair food suppliers direct with consumers and, and make it easy and efficient and package it in a way that, that really for us like intrinsically felt good. And so when we started, the concept was we would only support local and we would only support small. Mm -hmm. We weren't that, it wasn't, the concept wasn't there for us just to make money by selling vegetables to people that were scared. The concept was to, to pair these small and local businesses with, with consumers. And naturally that is now snowballed into a full conscious consumption brand that has sustainability and ethics and low plastic and non-GMO and, and all of these pillars 
that it's going to stand on. Um, but the original concept was just find small and local businesses that have lost their business and, and pair them with, with consumers. Um, and it's made marketing this business really easy because everyone on our team is totally behind it. It feels good. It feels good to work hard on it. It doesn't feel like there's any like fakeness about it. It doesn't feel like marketing. There's no friction to the marketing. We're just telling a good story, just telling our story. I took one of our um, marketing team members yesterday, yesterday with me to go visit a tomato supplier. And this gentleman, he's a really young guy. Um, and he started these tunnel farms in Cryfontaine, which is an area just outside Cape Town. Um, and it's like, and his whole vision is he's creating these hydroponic tunnels and stuff. And it's all this vision to support his community. I mean, it, his story is amazing in itself, but I took one of our marketing team members, Gabriel with us. And um, Gabriel just said to me, he said, it's, he fi he's finding it so easy to write the posts that we do on social media and that go in mailers and stuff because he's so, he just kind of just totally believes in what he's saying. And he was kind of saying, going to these farms and meeting these suppliers and hearing their story and actually seeing the produce go straight from farm to the box that's going to our warehouse and stuff. He just says it's, it's made it so easy for him to really speak about yeah. it and promote it because like Josh said, there's nothing fake. It's not, we're, we're actually well, talking about what we believe in and it's very easy to. Yeah. Well, I, I think the, um, you know, one of my beliefs is, you know, the, the experience, uh, you know, should be the marketing. And, and by experience, you know, for, for me, for my values, but it's so it's so hard to find this. And I'm just getting sort of goosebumps listening to you guys having pulled this off. Um, you know, it's not only customer experience, but also the employee experience. You know, so the, if you guys are, if you really get into that sink mm. and let that flow, um, then, yeah, you don't need to put effort or, or wasteful investment in pushing products that people, you know, aren't into anyways. So it's... Um, yeah. I, I'm curious yeah. if yeah, really go ahead. Beautifully. Yeah. I'm curious if um, and this might sound a bit of an abstract question, but um, could you do it again? Meaning if you would have stopped and analytically thought about starting a, you know, a, a, a fresh produce delivery company, you probably would have made some business cases and plans and did a lot of, you know, analysis, you know, paralysis by analysis type thing. Um, when I'm just curious, you know, roll forward three years and we're past this, you know, and then the next spark of, of inspiration comes, could you get something stood up again in three weeks? So I'll, I'll take a stab at this hand and you can, you can tell me if you disagree anywhere. When we, when we started it, we didn't, look left or right. We just looked forward. Right. And that had, it had an upside and it had a downside. Mm -hmm. The upside was that we were first to market and we took the bulk of the demand from, from what was available. We really took like the lion's share of, of demand and people were just coming to us. The benefit of that is we now have a customer base that's experienced an order with us. We've got their information, their follow follow us on, on uh, socials. We have their email address. We know what they want. We know where they live. We've, we've got all this information to now build them into this long life cycle and, and create a long LTV with them. The downside is we had no experience selling food, zero. We had no experience mm -hmm. packaging it, sourcing it, keeping it fresh. 
Um, you know, and we made a lot of mistakes in those first few weeks and we're still learning. It's really a, it's a baptism by fire out here. And, and we're literally like spending all of our time learning how to do food and learning how to do it the best way. And Hannah's like whole focus is supplying incredible produce, but getting it not just onto our website, but getting it all the way to the customer, fresh and beautiful as if it's come straight out of the, out of the ground. Mm. And to get that right is hugely complex. And it's really to Hannah's, you know, amazing credit that we've improved. Like, I can't even describe the difference between the first box that we sent out and where we're at now and how we've gone from like a real rickety startup to a box that feels incredibly professional and fresh and it arrives at your house cold and the driver says, thanks for supporting small. And it, the whole thing is just incredibly well presented. So back to the question, would we do it again? Personally, I would do it again a hundred times over. I'd, you know, I've got hindsight now, so I would make a bunch of changes and we would, we may go slightly slower. We may know what things to focus on, like where to, to spend more energy rather than getting 35 different types of veggies. Our focus would have been a little bit more on how do we deliver those veggies fresh, hmm. right? Hmm. Maybe we would have taken out some of the, the like the more delicate veggies. The, mm -hmm. the leafy ones, because a lot of those didn't arrive perfectly fresh. And, and yeah. that really sets a, a tone for your customers. And if they don't yeah. get a perfect service the first time, they're not coming back. Yeah. Right. And to win them back in is really, really tricky. So just to touch I, on, I do, yeah, go on. Han. I was going to say, just, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think in the beginning, like Josh said, we, we really did just hit the ground running and didn't really mm -hmm. kind of just went for it. And I do think, obviously, in the beginning, you make mistakes as a startup. And I think we kind of, you know, like Josh said, there were customers who maybe got slightly wilted lettuce and stuff. But we ran a, we ran a campaign a couple of weeks ago that was like kind of a big initiative to get a lot of the customers who'd shopped with us before, kind of once off on our old site and with our kind of initial offering. And now we got them to reshop with us. And I think, I mean, if I just think about what, how much we've improved and how much more of an amazing experience that customer mm would have had receiving that box second time round. It just, it makes me just feel incredibly proud that we've managed to make that change also in only three months. I mean, it feels, yeah, like, yeah. It feels like we've been doing this for a lot longer, <laughs> but, um, like we've been doing well, this for I, years. I, but it's amazing. I, you, you, I can imagine you also have earned some credits based on the reason you're doing it and the speed and the context. And if you actually show that you, are improving. I, I imagine the customers you probably want to have, anyways, mm. are are a bit more flexible and open to that and appreciative of it. And um, we've, we've had some incredible customers. We've had some incredible kind of really loyal customers who are doing bi-weekly shops with us, weekly shops with us, um, and we've been getting some really incredible feedback. And I think one of the things which Adam and Josh, I I feel like I've really learned from them, is kind of to listen to what the customer is saying, look at what the customer wants, and take their feedback. And if it's critical. Yeah take it. Don't, there's not a, there's not a reason to get all into a big huff about it. It's kind of take no. it, take their opinion and use it to improve your offering or to change something. Yeah. And it's made, it's made the way I look at everything a lot better. And it feels like we're, we're dealing with kind of like problems by just finding solutions to them a lot quicker because we're just saying, cool, how can we improve that? Or how can we change that? And, and if you're, and if you're listening to your customer, I think that's also, you know, that, that is where, you know, the, the, the inspiration for improvement comes from. 
And I think with this, um, that's of such a quick turnaround that it really was to listen to kind of any and every feedback mm. we got. And it was yeah. just, just to give, to give you a, a bit of context. So we, week one, we had one product. It was a mixed veggie box. And fast forward three months later, we have 80 different businesses listed on our website, right? 80 different mm. small businesses and local farms and in excess of 500 u- unique SKUs, which customers can customize their own box, build their own thing. And it goes everything from like weekly pizza making kits to fresh, you know, white brinjals and really unique produce mm. um, and everything in between from basics and milks and, and teas and coffees and drinks and, <clears throat> and things. But like the, <clears throat> the transition product wise from, from day one to three months later, there's really, it's been the, the, the progression and the growth. We've had to do that to stay relevant because fresh fruit and veg boxes is no longer what people are after. Yeah. That first week, that product had perfect product market fit. But fast forward three months later, people are now going back to the stores and we almost have to compete with mm. walk-in retail. Walk-in retail yeah. is, is now, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's almost back to normal and we have to provide a better service than that. So it's from, you know, quick turnaround times to really unique produce, mm. to a value proposition, to a, an ethical standpoint that, is differentiated from a grocery store. Yeah. And I, and I guess that will continue to evolve as well because whatever the next normal is. And Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. The, the, um, I'm curious, with your customer base, is, was there an overlap between the swimwear and the produce? Or are those yeah. two different populations? No, no. They're, they're very similar populations. The segmentation yeah. or the, like, the constraint that we had is that we only deliver in Cape Town. So our our swimwear customer list is a global customer list. We deliver all over the world. Mm -hmm. Um, We've got a big base in Johannesburg. So cut the customer list down to just the Cape Town customers. That was our Mm -hmm. first kind of target audience. And it was the first customers that we had, probably the first 100 or 200 overlapped by 70 or 80% with swimwear customers. Mm -hmm. Um, Now it's, it kind of just gave us a little bit of momentum. It got us going. Yeah. Um, now it is a totally unique and it has its own segments and its own kind of mm. um, dynamic mm. customer list with its own personality in a way. Yeah. I'm seeing the clock on our mm. on our video that we're running out. Um, we've got a couple minutes. So, um, I, I'm just um, very appreciative of your time sharing this. Yeah. Um, I'm curious if, if in the time we have left, going back for that quote <laughs> we originally started on, um, I'm curious from each of you, if you, um, do you have a piece of advice for other business owners that are, you know, being confronted by this crisis that are looking perhaps desperately, hopefully more positive? And positively. you want to go first. I'll go after you. Um, I suppose from my experience with this business in particular, it's, it's something about to kind of just right now to just give it a shot, kind of. Do, do what you can and make the changes you need to right now to your business and be open to mm. having to make changes and be adaptive. I think right now that's really important. And as you mentioned, as the market changes more and as everything changes more and more, you have to keep being adaptable and open to change. Mm. And I think it's really important to be looking for those changes and finding a way your business can fit into it as much as you can and just go for it. I think now is the perfect opportunity to just give it a, give it a shot. There's 
Yeah. Yeah, that would be my... So, I, I like Hannah's sentiment. Maybe I'll just distill it a little bit more. When we started out, like I said earlier, we, we kind of didn't look left and right. We just looked forward. And we, we found a little gap in the market and or an opportunity where our skill set and our team and our um, assets at hand kind of perfectly paired together with a, a market opportunity. And rather than spending too much time dwelling on whether it would work or not, we just tried it. Mm. We just tested it. And we just went to market and we didn't actually sanity check it or anything. And had it failed, we wouldn't have really, you know, had our heads in the sand and we would have, we would have written it off. So I think what Hannah's saying is kind of go for it rather than, than spending too much time. It's in, in the new world. We don't really have too much time to, to sanity check these, these business opportunities. Mm. Take a, take a bit of risk, take a little bit of a, a chance and, and give it a shot. And then I'd say my second opportunity is also on part of one of Hannah's points on listening to customers and creating mm. customer centric businesses that truly have the customer at, at their core. And we did this temperature check in our own business about where we thought the, you know, our customer centricness was. And we thought, honestly, when we started, we were around like a four out of 10. And we said, we have to change that. We need to be a 10 out of 10 customer centric mm -hmm. business. And it's really been why we're still here today. So I guess that's my next tip is just be 100% customer focused, yeah. understand yeah. what they want and, and what they need and listen to when, when you failed and listen to when you've succeeded and capitalize on those, those two points. And that was for me, an amazing conversation with two incredible entrepreneurs who in the face of a global crisis, um, kept their heads about them and not only adapted their business, but they, they made a fundamentally new business, adding incredible value, not only to their customers, but also their suppliers, really keeping it local, uh, keeping it real. I'm so impressed. Thank you, Hannah and Josh, for the time. Um, and if people are interested in um, more about that, uh, then I think it's granadiaswimwear.com and granadiaeats.co.za or ZA. Thank you so much. Learn more at ebillion.com slash podcast.